following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. This morning we we are going to continue our series that we are doing called Breathe. Um, Breathe means um, in pursuit of Jesus, our Christian habits that we form in order to pursue Jesus. So um, Hillary covered fasting two weeks ago, and Louis um, covered meditation on the word, and I'll be talking to you about prayer. So before, before we get into the word, uh, let me pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I pray that you will breathe you will breathe your Holy Spirit upon us this morning. Father, I command in your name absolute stillness and quietness over this place. Father, I pray that you will inspire your people, you will encourage them, and that you will bless them this morning. Lord, I pray bondages will be broken, people will be set free to pursue you. They will see you in a new light, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So on the uh, 18th of October of 2009, um, a young girl called Jessica Watson sailed out from Sydney Harbor, um, hoping to be the youngest person to sail around the world. So she had a little boat on which she set off, and you can just imagine a 16-year-old trying to sail around the world, the dangers that she was going to face. Fierce storms, Rough seas, pirates, sheer loneliness, those were the things that awaited her. On her boat, she had a little uh, communications device, a radio device, through which she will communicate with her dad. And her dad would monitor her movements, and um, he would warn her of dangers ahead, um, uh, weather patterns, what to avoid, and most of all, he kept her encouraged. So Jessica wouldn't have ever thought of switching off her radio system, even for a day. Now, prayer is very much like that. As we live life, we face many dangers. To our soul, to our faith, there's an enemy out there that wants to crush us. The Bible says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and evil spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. So we need our Father. We need to talk to our Father. And we cannot, even for a day, switch off our radio system with our dad. You know, this morning, church, I have just one, one aim. And that is to inspire you, to motivate you, to encourage you to pray daily. That's all. You know, the Bible says that the prayer of the righteous are powerful and effective. It says Elijah was a man just like us. 
and he prayed that it shouldn't rain for three years. And the heavens closed and it didn't rain. And there would have been famine in the land. And then Elijah prayed again. And he said, let it rain, O Lord. And it poured down. And the earth produced its crop. Throughout the history of our church, just ordinary men and women have turned their situations around. They have turned the course of their families, of their church, of their cities, even their nations, by simply praying. And church, this morning I'm here to tell you that the dreams that you had once, which are dead, the purposes of God in your life that are dormant is going to come to life when you start praying. Church, we are called to build this church. We are called to win the city of Parramatta for Jesus. And we can do it only through prayer. And when we get together and pray, the Lord himself will build this church. When we pray, the walls of blindness in this city will crumble. And I prophesy this morning, when we do that, people will flock from there into our church to hear the gospel. And they will know that's the truth and they'll be saved. But we have to pray. We've got to be faithful in prayer. In his book on prayer, Timothy Keller, I've been converted to. <laughs> He writes about what the great men who have gone before us in the history of our church, men like Augustine and Martin Luther and John Calvin, what they taught on prayer. And he draws out some points and he calls them the touchstones of prayer. Now a touchstone is a small piece of rock containing silica and you use it to rub against um, gold or silver to check its purity. Now, all of you, if not at least most of you, will agree with me that our prayers are not always pure. There are times our motives are wrong. We pray with wrong motives. There are times we don't address our Heavenly Father with the reverence that is due to Him. But just because we don't pray perfectly does not mean that we must try and pray correctly. The Bible tells us to strive to pray correctly. You know, the Bible tells in John 16 that if we do not pray in the name of Jesus, our prayer is not going to be heard. James tells us in chapter 1 of James, he says if we pray with doubt or with double-mindedness, our prayers are not going to be effective. And David says in Psalm 66, he says, If I had harbored sin, deliberate sin in my heart, O God, you will not hear me. So we are called to pray correctly. And we'll be wise. We'll be wise if we listen to the scriptures and listen to those great men and women who have gone before us and strive and aim to pray correctly. So this morning I want to give you three points under the title what is prayer? And I suggest that you just 
compare your prayer life against these and make any adjustments that you may have to so that we pray according to scripture. So point number one, what is prayer? Prayer is a duty and a discipline. Timothy Keller in his book, he says, we should, we should pray regularly, persistently, and tenaciously every day, whether we feel like it or not. And another theologian, Peter Forsythe, says, the worst sin is prayerlessness. The Bible says we should pray without ceasing. In whatever we do throughout the day, we should be talking to our Heavenly Father. But the thing is, if you don't make a prayer a regular habit, if you're not going to set aside time to pray regularly, you, you are not going to be praying ceaselessly or throughout the day. And we see in the scriptures examples of Christ himself says every morning he would withdraw himself to lonely places way before dawn to sit at the feet of his father praying. Jesus could have easily prayed while he was walking because he walked a lot. But no, he set aside time just between him and his father. We see Daniel, it says, was a man of prayer and he prayed three times a day even if it meant he was going to be thrown into the lion's den. We see the apostle Paul calling the people to struggle. He says, struggle with me in prayer. And we see King David, even though he was a great king, he would pray every day. In fact, in Psalm 5.3, he says, Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning, I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. Martin Luther had a barber who would, you know, cut his hair and shave his beard. And I'm at a time where I'm just getting into a season where I have to shave my head and cut my beard. <laughs> trim my nose <laughs> by the heavy duty stuff at Bunnings. <laughs> so it so happened that this guy, um, um, he, even though he was a Christian, he was a pious man, uh, he got into an argument with his son-in-law and stabbed him to death. And he was sent to prison. And Martin Luther writes him a note and sends him to the prison to about prayer. And in it, he says, pray, cultivate a regular prayer habit and pray at least twice a day. And that note is supposed to be the, one of the great notes in all of Christian history. A man like that writing on prayer. So we would do well to hear this advice. See, uh, friends, praying every day is not easy. Uh, you sit down to pray, you're distracted by many things. If you're my wife, you'll, she'll see the washing machine pass by. Or if you're me, you will see uh, my gym equipment passing by. <laughs> it's not easy. And, and you sit down and 
sometimes God seems so far away. You don't feel the presence. You think your prayers are just bouncing off the wall. But friends, we are called, the Bible says, we are called to live by faith and not by sight. We are not supposed to live by our feelings, but by faith. And the Lord says that he's there with us all the time. So even though you don't feel it or sense it, the Lord is there. He is listening. And um, the more you pray, the more you sit down and make it a habit, your mind gets adjusted. The moment you sit down, you're focused. And the more time you spend at his feet, you are going to experience his presence. This presence just keeps coming. Just keeps coming. I, um, in, in 2012, London Olympics, the only world record that was set in track and field was a man called was by a man called David Rudisha in the 800 meters. Um, he ran a brilliant race. Uh, Sebastian Coe was used to be my one of my favorites, and as uh, Sir Sebastian Coe, as they call him, he was. Uh, organizer of the London Games, the one of the main guys, and as he watched, David Richard just smashed his his own world record. And I looked up um, his uh, training, uh, training schedule, thinking that it's going to be a grueling, tough schedule, because I've seen back in the days, uh, Sebastian Coe practice in uh, a grueling, grueling schedule. But I looked up Re David Rudisha's. To my surprise, it was relatively light, really light. And even other coaches, top coaches have commented on how light this guy's schedule is. But the only thing I noticed was that he was consistent. He, was, he, he trained every day. My point is, don't underestimate the daily discipline of prayer, or for that matter, any discipline. So, Hillary spoke um, two weeks ago, and, uh, and he gave us some tips on how to establish a habit in our life, to form a habit. Um, he, he spoke about having the right mindset. He spoke about being consistent. And he sp spoke about um, taking little baby steps, three points that he said. And we need to have the mindset of a champion like David Rudisha. And if you would remember, Lewis spoke some time ago, and he said, Jesus is our champion. And the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We are champions. We are champions. We have no excuse. We have the mind of Christ. So we can think like that. So brothers and sisters, if you are struggling, if you are not, if you don't have a regular prayer time, a daily prayer life, I pray that you will hear from these trips and, and set aside time. Maybe in this week of we are fasting, say, say to yourself, I'm going to pray for the next two weeks. Don't set aside an hour. Say 10 minutes. And go for that 10 minutes and keep praying. And suddenly you will find yourself establishing that pattern. There was a, um, once a man called Darsh, the Darsh Mani, Maniji. Um, he, he was an Indian guy. Um, <laughs> You're laughing. You, I look like an Indian and can't pronounce Indian name. <laughs> I'm a Sri Lankan. Uh. <laughs> so 
<laughs> he was called the mountain man and uh, his wife felt seriously sick and he had to take her to the hospital but the nearest hospital to get to the nearest hospital he had to go around the mountain that uh, was in his village and it's a 70 kilometer trek and I don't know what happened to his wife. Maybe she died. Maybe she was. But the when he came back, he sold the three goats he had. And he bought a, a chisel and a sledgehammer. And every day after work in the night, he would go and keep hammering at the mountain, trying to carve a hole. So from 1960 to 1982, uh, 22 years, he hammered at that mountain. And he made a one kilometer pathway through the mountain. And uh, the villagers had to travel only a few kilometers to get to the hospital. The man's persistence. But I tell you, folks, Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and it will be done for you. My brothers and sisters, what, what is the mountain that is in your life? that is stopping the purposes of God being fulfilled in your life? What's an obstacle that is there in your life that is stopping you from flourishing, from serving the church, being joyful? What is the mountain? The moment you start being persistent in your prayer, the Lord's promise will come through for you. That mountain will be cast out into the sea. So prayer is a discipline. It's a duty. My second point this morning, prayer is conversing with God. Prayer is conversing with God. So one of the most precious things that we lost in the garden was communication with God. The Bible says that God walked with Adam and Eve. And what do people do when they walk? They talk, right? Uh, my, my wife and I, we are on a, on a weekend, there's a cycle track near our home and we go for walks. And you, you can just imagine who will be doing the talking. My wife will be going. <laughs> and by the time we turn, oh, that's, don't look at me like that. That's true. <laughs> and by the time we turn back and come, I would have said something to annoy, annoy her and we walk in silence and the Lord God has left us. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure Sister Vera is laughing. It's true, you know that. In, <laughs> in the New Testament, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him. Again, eating together with someone is a sign of friendship. And Jesus is offering that friendship to you and to me. You know, one of the best things about our church, people invite one another to their homes to have meals. You know, you could speak to someone at coffee, morning tea for five minutes, ten minutes, and you can speak to them for years. You hardly get to know them. But the moment you invite them into your home and have a meal, you become friends. You get to know them so much. So Jesus is offering the same thing. He says, let me in. So when you set aside time to sit with him, 
special time just between you and the Lord, it's like having a meal with Jesus. And let me remind you, church, let me inspire you this morning. Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator of the universe. Heaven and earth belongs to him. And all the people in it are his. Kings are not ordinary men like you and me. Even earthly kings, they have power. They have authority. How much more the Lord Jesus Christ. When you sit with him, you know, in, even in an earthly king's presence, your situation can ch change in an instant. You, we heard the story of Joseph. He was in prison. And he had to be, he was taken before the king. And what happened? He ended up the next day ruling Egypt. Esther, her people were about to be slaughtered. She sought audience with the king. And just a moment in the king's presence, the people were set free. When you sit in the presence of King Jesus, whatever your situation is, it can change. It can change. So why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we sit 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who's saying, I'll come and, and eat with you, is offering us that friendship is it too difficult for us to sit for 10 minutes every day at his feet, listening? You get to pour out your heart to him. You get to tell him all your troubles. And you get to wait in silence with your Bible and hear him speak to you, give you direction, give you comfort, give you encouragement, set you free. One more thing about conversing with God. This is something I learned from this book on, by Tim Keller. We know it in some kind, but the way he put it was so, um, uh, so, so good. To learn to know God better, you ne need to learn his language better. And how do we learn his language? By reading his word and meditating on it. God has already spoken to us through his word. And when we study it, when we learn it, when we meditate upon it, we are learning his language. And when we go into prayer with that meditation, with that reading, and speak back his own words, we are speaking God's language. We get to know him better. They say all speech is answering speech. Let me explain. He says uh, when a child learns to speak, it hears his mother and father talk to them. And they try to repeat it. And that's how children learn. Um, little Sophia, she's two and a half years old. She came to our connect group the other day, on Friday. She's two and a half, and she taught us a song. I'm not going to sing because <laughs> you all might leave. Um, but it goes like this. We walk in the spirit. We walk in the spirit. And therefore, there is no condemnation. And she can pronounce condemnation. It's a big word for me. Because I say Sarah, Sarah is a teacher, speaking to her, asking her questions, speaking to her, asking a question, and the child is answering. And she learned even some Filipino from her trip to Philippines uh, last month. 
just like little Maddie. I didn't know she could speak so much, Louise. Um, in fact, Michelle was telling me she was playing with that um, uh, in the crash, and she's telling my daughter, I probably have to go to childcare tomorrow. <laughs> she's just two and a half. And Nat, again, Nat is a teacher, and she spends a lot of time with the child speaking to her. What I'm trying to say is, church, we read God's word, we meditate upon it, and we learn his language. And our prayer lives will be so much richer when we do that. So prayer is conversing with God. Finally, prayer is a balance. It's a balance of thanksgiving, praise, petition, and confession. The Lord God taught us how to pray. When the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, how do we pray? Teach us to pray. And the, the Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer covers all these aspects. The Lord's Prayer, Timothy Keller says, it's a master class in prayer. It gives us the key. It unlocks all the riches of prayers. So praise and thanksgiving. Sister Christine spoke on thanksgiving. We are called to thank God in every circumstances. And when we thank God, we become thankful people. Praise. We need to praise our God for who he is because he's worthy. You know that when we praise God in any situation, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. It releases his power into any situation. We need to praise him. We need to exalt him. And confession. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Why carry the burden and the guilt of sin? It's so heavy. It weighs us down. Confess and we are free. We walk lightly with the spring in our steps. And I don't even have to tell you about um, petition. We all know how to petition. But I pray that as we gather in corporate environment, that we will petition this city to be one. We will pray for our brothers and sisters who are in need, for the persecuted church, for the, those who are lost, uh, our neighbors who are going to perish, that we will pray, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. As I bring this to a close, I'm going to uh, ask the same question that Tim Keller asked in his book in a form of a metaphor. Church, where are you in your prayer life? Just imagine that your soul is a boat which has sails and rows. So question, are you sailing? Sailing means you're praying, it, you're, 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 it, it gives you great delight to read the word, you're hearing from God, you are enjoying his presence, you're serving God joyfully, your life is having an impact on others. It's awesome, awesome. 
you're sailing. Keep going. I encourage you. Don't give up. Just keep going. Just keep going. Or you're rowing. Rowing means, again, you're doing, you're, you are praying. No matter what, it's, you, it is difficult. You're not sensing God's presence, but you're not giving up. You're praying. You're reading the word. You may not get too much out of it, but you persist in reading the word. In spite of your spiritual dryness, you are serving God. Awesome. Awesome. Brothers, I encourage you. Don't give up. Don't give up because the winds will come. The winds will pick you up. The sails will uh, start to, uh, uh, to, to take you forward. The Lord will breathe on you. He's watching over you. Drifting. Drifting means you have given up on prayer. You're discouraged. You're disobeying God. You don't want to serve. Uh, you're not regular to church. Church, you're uh, on dangerous ground. You're on dangerous ground. You can't afford to do that. So if you're in that category this morning, I, I will encourage you, come back. Start praying. Establish those disciplines in your life. End of the day, we are responsible for the graces that God has given us, like prayer, reading the word, church participation. We are responsible for that. We are not in control of the circumstances that life will throw at us. But if we are faithful in these disciplines, I'll assure you that the winds will pick up. The Lord is watching over you and he will start breathing on you. And the Holy Spirit will come and your sails will be full. So I can encourage you, set aside time to pray, my brothers and sisters. Amen. And, and this morning I invite you, if anyone needs prayer, the, our pastors are there, our prayer teams are there, please come, we will pray for you. Um, if not, um, go out and uh, uh, there is tea, morning tea, uh, get together with your brothers and sisters and have a good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you.